Welcome to episode 41 41? of Time Bandits. Time Bandits is a week bi-weekly podcast where Casey and I will go back in time 25 years to celebrate the silver anniversary of a film and an album. It's the silver anniversary, as I said. So we will be doing that this week without Greg, yeah. unfortunately. So I'm looking at you, Casey Lyons. Hey. What up? Don't you have a question for me? What's the score, babe? Ah, yes. What's the score there, beautiful? Uh, uh, how are you doing today? Uh, you're just freshly back from a little town called Nashville. I know. Totally. It, I'm doing good. First day back at work. Always the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but had a good time. Been a long time since, uh, we've podcasted. It has which been. Which I do not like, and I'm tangled up in wires here. Yeah, you were, you were having quite a time <laughs> Having right a problem now. already. Ah, uh, you'll get through it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the score for me is... Still unsure about that question. Yeah. Never know how to answer it. <laughs> there are a finite <laughs> amount of ways to answer that question. My, my gut reaction is always to go num- numerical. I'm uh, always like 34 to 1. I don't well, know. that is a score. <laughs> We're killing them out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that us? Are we, we've got yeah, 31. We're up. 30, not, yeah. Not bad. Um, no special guest this week and no Greg. Just yeah. a solo bolo. Yeah, just a uh, uh, bro down, ho down. Yeah, uh, it's good because you guys did the fishbone and tracks episode yes. when I was deathly ill like a year ago. Yeah. So I was never able to weigh in on tracks. It was great. Yeah, uh, it really but, was. Yeah, so Greg will never get to weigh in on the film that we will talk about soon. Which no, I, I imagine he must be disappointed. I about know. That. Well, by n- I don't. Are, are we like keeping it a secret as it is well, the I th- title I think of we, this episode? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Police Academy Six: City Under Siege, and also we will be talking about a band called All. We're gonna get allular. Yeah, uh, gonna get into the all logistics with their album Allroy says. Mm-hmm. No, Allroy's Revenge. Oh, Allroy's Revenge. I can never remember. Yeah, he said so many things and revenged so many things. <laughs> he's a busy. He fellow. was also for Prez at one point. Yeah, <laughs> he's a busy, <laughs> dumb mascot. A raconteur. Yeah, he gets um, it done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> usually terrorizing a little music note on the yeah. covers. Um, Which is fitting. Yeah. So we're going to go back 25 years. Um, I haven't prepared a time machine to do so, so let's hop into the primer box. How about? Oh, all right. Have we done the primer box before? I think, I don't know, maybe. But let's get Artie and uh, and primer it up. Let's get in there and uh, let's go. (laughs) Oh, fuck. There's like 12 of us now. And also one of them is burping. I'm also fatter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So what uh, day is it? I don't know because I didn't look before we started <laughs> Greg recording. Greg is much Greg better is so at this than you good and I at are. This. I'm good at, yeah. Uh, it's March 10th, 1989. What uh, else could we have seen, Dan? <laughs> oh, God. Wait. You kill time while I Google this. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do a little dance for the, the listening audience. Uh, I think we could have seen the adventures of Baron Manchausen if we were in the UK. I did a little dance. Yeah. Where, one, give me a second. I'm loading up the 1989 in film. More uh, dancing. <laughs> um, let's see. January to March. Wide release films. It is. What? What is it I say it was? 
It's 10th. The 10th of March. We could have seen Chances Are starring Civil Shepard and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Weird. We could have seen a jackknife starring Robert De Niro. <laughs> hey, I got a jackknife over here. <laughs> uh, or the previous week, Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman or, or Skin Deep. Hey, Lean on Me. I'm a principal over here. Hey, Skin Deep. Oh, your beauty only goes that deep. <laughs> hey, I got a thing on my penis over here. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, Jackknife. I've never seen that. <laughs> no, nor have I. I didn't even know it was a thing. Okay. What's that about? <laughs> Let's uh, watch that instead. Yeah. Because we uh, we went to the theaters and saw Police Academy 6, as I said. City under siege, but we don't need Sylvester Stallone. is not in under siege. It's uh, <laughs> someone else. <laughs> Well, we're getting caffeinated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, uh, I'm loading up here. Uh, I did just pay. I was just, just saying this to you, Dan, before we started. Uh, this may be the first Time Bandits movie I've ever paid for. Yeah, you had to pay for this thing. I torrented it off a site that shall not be named. Yes. <laughs> you torrented it. It's naming the site is listen, not going to fucking... I stole it. I don't want them to get in trouble. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> the one responsible I'm for responsible. This. I don't want to lay blame to anyone else but me for my poor decisions. Yep. Um, uh, no, it's not a poor decision not to pay for Police <laughs> Academy 6. Uh, you paid for it on YouTube? I paid for it on YouTube. It was the first thing I've ever paid for on YouTube. How you pay, bro? <laughs> well done. Um, I paid via... Credit card? Uh, PayPal? Yeah. yeah, my credit card. And it was um, $4. Yeah. And it was for too many dollars to pay. Oh, yeah. At least got to be 6 it's a $2 discrepancy there. Yeah. I should have paid $6 for it. Uh, there's I, the, Actually, now that I'm looking at this, there is a lot of uh, stuff that I want to unpack here about Police Academy 6. But first, um, so this film came out in 1989. Uh, this is the sixth, obviously, in the series. It was also the first, from what I was reading earlier on the trivia, to not come in number one in the box office, if the trivia is to be correct. Is that a goddamn fact? So you're saying that, like, okay, Police Academy, the excuse me, the first one... Um, I could see maybe hitting number one. Yeah, but any for the weekend. One, yeah, I'm shocked. It says uh, the movie performed poorly at the U.S. box office, grossing less than 11 million and marking the decline of the Police Academy series. Also earned the distinction of being the first Police Academy movie not to place first in the U.S. weekend box office. Uh, oh, I Which, mean, I could see that because it just everybody seems so tired yeah. in this movie, and it's also you know these movies are just trotting out the same characters for the most part, other than the people that have. Every you know new one, we're like, nah, we won't come back. Which at this point is pretty much anyone of note. Well, for well, the most part. Weirdly though, like they do still have like uh, by this point, Bobcat was like, ah, yeah, yeah. Like I even Bobcat Colter's like, you know what, dude? I did hot to trot. I'm <laughs> yeah. good. All right, <laughs> I'm riding off that hot to trot money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but I mean, they they do still get the kind of core cast. Uh, yeah. From uh, I'm you know, with the exception of Gutenberg. Yes. Who at this point was too good for? I think know, he, was still he dropped able out. To turn down a movie. I think he dropped out for five. He was there for one, two, three, four. Was he there for three and four? I, I think thought it was, was only one and two. Um. Yeah. Because um. I I think this was the second film that the other dude took the reins. Uh, Matt McCoy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a strong Seinfeld connection with this movie. Yeah, weirdly uh, enough. Yeah, with uh, well, I mean, when I say strong, the two people. Yeah, and but Gutenberg was in four. Yeah, he, he dropped out after four. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so this has uh, this one stars basically the Gutenberg of this movie is Matt McCoy, yeah. who you may remember as uh, the more memorable Lloyd Braun, yeah. on Seinfeld. Yeah, and then also uh, who who was the, um, uh, the yeah, rabbi? Uh, Bruce Mahler. Yeah, uh, played. Uh, uh, I guess kind of got his start with these police academy movies and went on and played the rabbi in Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, who, when you mentioned that was him, blew my mind because I wasn't thinking about it and then when I realized. Yeah, like, oh, it's, a, it's a somewhat different character <laughs> yeah. the rabbi is to, uh, <laughs> to old Fackler. Yeah, totally. Um, so IMDb describes the plot of this movie as uh, the following. Those bumbling cadets, <laughs> oh, those bumbling cadets, <laughs> take to the streets when three inept goons successfully orchestrate a metropolitan crime wave. So, yeah, the movie opens with, like, a uh, newspaper on the ground, you know, basically just says uh, three inept goons <laughs> are <laughs> on a crime spree. All right, Pretty again. much. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the one returning character, I, I see. My problem with the police academy movies is I don't know any of the characters like by heart because I've seen my, the first. My one. problem with the police academy movies is that I do know all of the characters by <laughs> heart. <laughs> okay, well that's gonna help me out then. <laughs> yeah, because I was writing down notes and stuff and being like, I don't know, bumbling guy. Uh, eventually, I started calling what's his name Rabbi Simpson in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ra- Rabbi Seinfeld. Sorry, <laughs> Rabbi Seinfeld. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so we start out and we've got. Uh, Harris and Proctor, yes, which everyone will remember as like the bad guys, bad guys from the, the earlier films. Yeah. Um, and they're on a stakeout trying to catch these three uh, inept, bumbling, yeah. whatever. The Led fuck. by Garrett Graham, um, who people will remember as Bud the Chud. Uh, oh, right. Uh, they'll remember him from Terrorvision. Mm-hmm. I remember him from being a staple of B-movies that I would rent, and if it had the name Garrett Graham in it, I was actually pretty excited usually, which is weird <laughs> you to think about nerd. Garrett Graham. I remember him from such films as Police Academy 6. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. I was there. I think it must have been Bud the Chud. There was something else. No, but he, I, I found there was movies that he was in that were really funny. Like, he was always a good part of stupid B-movies. Yeah. But, yeah. He's not funny in this movie. He doesn't get, he's not giving much to do really no, no no like they they really are i had a hard time figuring out who this movie was for uh children yeah <laughs> like uh, but because by this point it's i mean even if you look at the plot of this movie so not to get too far ahead but the movie is about these three guys on a crime spree and it is revealed that there is sort of a shadowy figure orchestrating the crime wave above them and it's straight up dr claw shit from yeah. inspector gadgets behind a, a a shadow screen thing the whole movie. Yeah, you don't get to know who he is, but it is intimated yeah. that he may have some connection to the cops. And even the reveal of who he is at the end we'll get to is like total just like Scooby-Doo shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really like like unnecessary, yeah. unnecessarily Scooby-Doo-esque. Yeah. And 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 I mean I think this was around the time they were turning it into a cartoon. Like for reals not in this movie. Like there there was a Saturday morning cartoon Police Academy oh, show. Oh yeah. And I think it I think a I'll, I'll go back and see what the ratings of the other ones were. But, yeah, this movie just straight up from the beginning is a live-action cartoon uh, with just with just easy gags. Yeah, of, I'm trying to think if there's anything in this movie that would... Uh, abs- no. Because, like, I mean, there's... I, I don't know if there's ever been boobies in these movies. I can't remember. Well, Police Academy 1, I think there was. It had... Well, it had... Because um, that was rated R. That was, like, 
actually pretty mean movie when you think back about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was, like, intimated blowjobs, and yeah. there was, like, uh, uh, Callahan's boobs, but you only saw them in a wet T-shirt, which yeah. was good enough back then, my friends. <laughs> you speak from experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I, I, like, when I was a kid, that was one of my first things of, like, oh, okay, here we go with boobs. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's start with the boob thing. Oh, man. That's pretty funny. Yeah, the second one was PG-13. Uh, so all right. even after the first, they started dumbing these things down, and then the third was PG, and I imagine from the rest of them are just straight <laughs> they, up PG. They started dumbing these things down from, from the, the intellectual property. Pretty that smart it, movie. Yeah, the, the first <laughs> one was. I, I'm surprised that none of them went back to R. It just seemed, I guess, I mean, once they started appealing to everybody, and, and it became sort of like the opening weekend, they, they started dominating. There's no reason to change it back to that kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, they they try to widen the audience with every with every movie, and again, because they're losing uh, so many of their bright spots. Yeah, uh, Gutenberg. Yeah, um, they do sort of have to widen to a to a bigger audience, I think. Yeah, yeah, and um, this this really is just a the most inane it's it's so inane and yet so boring at the same yeah. time like i i was and i i had some moments where i laughed for sure um but yeah it is it, it there there was a few moments where i was like i can understand you know if i was a kid and mm-hmm. and and this was a tape that i had happened to own right. would probably have fair nostalgic th- like i can understand somebody growing up and being like this was what i watched just because i was a kid and it had people falling over and right. like knocking things over and some explosions happened like I can understand that for sure, but it it also seems like like the first one. I when I was a kid, I watched the first one all the time, and it was yeah. sort of like a raunchy, yeah, you know, just this side of sex comedy kind of thing, um, and uh, uh, and and I loved the hell out of that. But I feel like this is really um, clumsily directed. Oh yeah, by I think the <laughs> the reason it's clumsily directed, and as Dan Corman wrote in our thread, and probably my favorite comment about this movie, the first joke in the movie. Is uh, the the line directed by Peter Boners? Yeah, I said so far. I think I was like 15 minutes in. And I was like, so far the funniest joke in <laughs> Police Academy Six is that the directed by Peter Boners. B O N E R Z. Yeah, Boners. Boners. Uh, um, who, <clears throat> who? From what I read, I got is, another one of my pe- Peter Boners. <laughs> <laughs> he directed the whole thing with a Peter Boners. <laughs> uh, um, it was uncomfortable for cast and crew. Yeah. And and he's a, a veteran of of the TV game up up until today. Uh, yeah, or, or re, or pretty oh, it's recent. a name I know. Yeah, he did a lot of uh, stuff. He did shit. My dad says he did a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he did almost all of um, of um, Murphy Brown. Yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. he was a big. Uh, um boners <laughs> guy was a big boners yeah home improvement yeah uh just shoot me friends yeah news radio he did some episodes of mm-hmm. so but he was also from what i read like an improv guy who came from like a sketch comedy background in like these cult improv uh organizations and and so when i read that before i watched the movie i was like oh cool you know he's gonna maybe take that aspect and turn it into something else but this movie really um, it it says that that Pat Proft has a writing credit on this. Well, Pat Proft has has writing credit on all of uh, characters only. Yeah, okay, because there there's cause because th- you wrote the first one. Yeah, and I was thinking about that in the in the realm of how spoofy this movie is in terms of the comedy. You know, it's a lot of sight gags, yeah. people falling over and stuff. 
and and just brought up the fact that like I really don't like Pat Proft. <laughs> I feel like no. his c- contributions, even when because some of his contributions to spoof movies were good early on, like he worked with the Zucker Abrams crew. Yeah, but so did a lot of people yeah. who didn't have that much input. Totally. So then when he kind of started going on his own, I'm like, I think you instigated why spoof movies suck now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there always has to be a sellout. <clears throat> Although I think he did work on Top Secret. I'm not sure. Anyway, this movie. Um, okay, I'll get my notes. Yeah, I've got. I, I do have notes for this. Yeah, but again, but even reading my notes, it's like my notes are boring. Yeah, I know. So my first note is that uh, the two characters you mentioned that that we open on. Yeah, Captain Harris and Proctor. So they're in a car waiting for this. Uh, um, yeah, the 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 so they're they're waiting across the street from a jewelry store yes. that they hear is going to get knocked get over by the three crime wave dudes. Yeah, starring one of which is Gary Cram, and so the whole scene is basically them kind of having a not very funny argument back and forth about one of them singing Christmas songs while the Garrett Graham and company in the background are stealing fur coats, I guess. Yeah, they're at the fur coat store. Yeah. Um, So when that happens and they realize that uh, the the crew was there and stole all the stuff without them even noticing, I guess, is it the captain of the police calls in sort of I'm going to have to get a team to help you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh uh oh, I don't remember. I don't know what all the ranks are. Lieutenant, yeah. uh, captain, somebody. And anyway. he's he's played by somebody he's a uh fuck, he <laughs> this whole episode's going to be me doing that. Like, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Who is he played by? He's played by a guy who's in a lot of Mel Brooks movies. He's the police captain who can't remember anything the whole film. Uh oh, wait, no. That's the mayor. Oh, that's the mayor. Sorry. The mayor is played by a dude from Mel Brooks movies, and I actually thought he, he was fairly funny in, in the joke, the one joke that he was given. Yeah, his whole ca- his character development is that he can't remember a word every once in a while, yeah. but even that's, that's like, poorly written, but yeah, he does handle it well. Yeah. Um, but, but He so- handles his character well until the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they're going to bring in a uh, whole new crew of people to help them out, and it turns out to the dismay of what's his name of uh, Captain Harris, who, Harris, who just hates yeah. the police academy. Turns precinct. out it's going to be them. Yeah. So right off the bat, we have a really simple, just sort of like city's under siege. We need help. Bring in yeah. the police academy. I don't know why. Uh, they seem to fuck everything up. Oh yeah, they're they're all terrible at their job. They would be fired so quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, and like, is there no other pre? Like, if they had have set up like, yeah. Oh, well, there's no cops in the whole entire world anymore except for these guys. So we have yeah. to bring them in. And and it introduces them uh, them all as sort of like not fuck ups, but I mean, like one of them's kind of a parking cop, and and yeah. like one of the dude shoots milk in a house at night. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's Tackleberry, and you know he's gonna shoot somebody. Yeah. And, and, and Hey, man, there's a lot of milk in that carton. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. I actually that. liked that psych yeah, gag. so did I. Um, and then, like, uh, Michael Winslow is amusing uh, rich people with his voice as a security guard. Uh, he's a security guard? Or something. That's what oh, I got right. from yeah, it. Oh, right, yeah. He's working that uh, that rich people party where he amuses Billy Bird. Yeah. Um, who's, like, second build in this movie or something and has, like, two lines and then she's yeah. like, um. Yeah. And you know, it's it's the same thing. We we see uh, round up the gang, and she's uh, yeah, she's a giving out a parking ticket to a rich guy. And she's all very meek and like this, and then she yells at him because yeah. that's what she does in every movie. Yeah. And you know, there's Callahan, and she's got boobs, and everybody <laughs> wants to look at him, but she's terrifying also. Hey, but she's barely in it too. Uh, well, she's in all like, of them are barely in it. Like even Tackleberry and uh, um, 
uh, Jones, who is uh, uh, Michael Winslow, yeah, uh, they they just show up to do their little thing every once in a while. Nobody's integral to the plot. No. Um, and well, again, the and plot, and the plot is. is so cartoonish. It's yeah. just it's very much is like we need to find the villain. Well, th- that's the thing, right? It's not it's not a plot that where that, that goes from A to B or anything. No. It's like we have to find who the villain is. Now it's like set piece yeah. to set piece to set piece. Well, it goes from like A to Y to T to W to <laughs> to C to and then back. Like it goes from A to B, but everything in between A to B is just like it's a completely jumbled whatever. unnecessary. Yeah, it's like okay, we're gonna introduce that there's a bad guy. And he's leaking. Somebody in the force is leaking information. Is the through line that will get us to then they figure out who it is in the end. Right. And then the rest of it is just like madcap hijinks. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But again, like it, it is that thing of like, um, yeah. There, there's a beginning and an end, and then the middle is just what's going to entertain kids. Yeah. Well, we'll have an idiot on a, a you know window washing platform. Yeah. And we'll see what kind of hijinks. And there was there. okay. There's a gag in that scene that isn't a gag. That I laughed at really hard. <laughs> um, so they're on the w- they're washing the windows to try and listen in, and and here's another thing about these gags is that yeah, the, half of them aren't even gags with setup. So the the setup to this scene is we need to figure out if the people in this uh, in this office that we're going to listen in on know anything about this crime plot. Mm-hmm. The people in the office aren't per- aren't pertinent to the story at all. At all, they they're not doing anything. It's just a part of a sort of montage. Yeah. But so they're listening in. But th- that just seems so lazy because, like, the people in the office could have at least had something to do with something. Yeah. Instead of just being people, like, random arbitrary people that they're That you never to. hear from again or heard from before. Yeah, like, it would have been so easy to at least write them as part yeah. of the conspiracy. Totally. So they're listening in on them, and the thing that I laughed at really hard was there was a reverse shot of them, like, looking into the camera kind of as if it's the glass and, and listening in. And a, like a goose or a, like geese, like like a bird flies by of some sort and makes like a wah sound. And I thought it was gonna like play into a larger gag of this like bird annoying them. Yeah. But it didn't, and I laughed so hard. <laughs> I don't know why. Just a bird flying by making a noise made me crack up. Which was which was clearly not part of any sort of a joke or anything. No, it was just the funniest part of that scene. But. It was also clearly something they did intentionally because it's like a fake bird. Obviously, they didn't just like catch a bird flying by. I don't think they were on a stage, <laughs> yeah, as far right. as I know. Yeah, and so <laughs> so they just threw a bird <laughs> behind and someone them. Went, Mwah. Yeah, but the and then the conceit of this of the scene of them trying to find out about the group of crime bosses. They end up listening in on like a record executive talking about the group, which is a band. Yeah, and then that doesn't go anywhere. At all. At all. Why but I, would it? Yeah. Because they got their footage of uh, Harris and Proctor being crazy and, and not knowing what the heck mm-hmm. is going on and almost falling off the thing and, yeah. and you know, crying to Harris, crying to his mommy or whatever. Because they all help the homeless when he's about to die. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that so I, mission accomplished. Yeah. That part is its own little, like, it's, it's like a series of... Uh, of skits. Yes. But of, like, po- wacky police skits. But skits that don't have purposes. At all. No. Because there's a scene where What's-His-Name is dressed like a milkman. Uh, yeah. What's his character's name? I can't Hightower. Remember. Hightower. And Hightower. It's funny that he's dressed like a mailman and giving milk to a kitty yeah. because he's a big, giant football player. Yeah. So the scene is him walking up, and he's giving this cat the... And the cat's kind of, like, perched on a little spot, and it has a very kind of sketch comedy feel to it, like, with a crane up and stuff. Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, here's something that's going to be funny, like, with this cat or something. And he gives the cat the milk to the cat, and then he goes... 
don't tell anyone about this and the scene ends and yeah. i was like what joke was i supposed to laugh at because they don't even point out that th- the joke is it's funny that he's dressed like a mailman right yeah i i think it was just back then it, it, you were, it was implied that it's funny that someone so giant and menacing could like a kitty yeah um but but again, you, you've hit on a point where this is a, this is a point where everybody's um, I think everybody's sort of dressed up and undercover yes. for no reason whatsoever. Other than to we need to find out in other than like we have to find out information. But who finds out any information? Nobody. Nobody does. Um, they just sort of stumble across the yeah. the robbers and then little i don't know little yeah. bites and sue or whatever while the like uh, the garrett graham and company are like robbing a bank and one of them's using like an indiana jones whip for some reason yeah. and and some of those moments hit on a thing that i do like which is being so stylized in the cartoonish way that things like that can happen like i liked that like when he pulled the whip i was like oh this is weird it's kind of funny or or he picks one of the guys picks up the the dude at the bank that's supposed to have the keys and like carries him over to the yeah ca- carries him like a battering ram like yeah. and the guy just is just stiff like yeah. there, there's the big fat uh, like uh, bank owner uh well yeah like the the big fat robber picks up the little meek uh bank owner yeah uh and and like battering rams him into the into the sort of i wanted him to use him like i wanted him to use like his bald head and knock the thing down but he doesn't he just oh no- i thought that's what he no did. he knocks it down with his hand. Oh. And I was kind of like, oh, you had you had set up something that I'd find is funny because you're like picking people up and it's kind of like goofy and then right. you didn't use it properly, which happens again. Oh, I thought he did use his head. He I just uses so. his hand and that there's literally no point of him no. picking up that little fellow. Yeah. And then in the aftermath of this scene, uh, Harris shows up and the police academy dudes pull a pull a prank on him by giving him one of the uh, packs of money that has an ink explosion thing in it yeah uh that they left behind because they were like why didn't they take this money oh they're too smart so then this sets up a gag where you're gonna have him leave the bank and it will trip the explosion in the in the money and he's there's gonna be a great shot of him like getting a goo all like an explosion of paint or whatever right but then it cuts away and then cuts back to the aftermath of him having purple paint all over him and i was yeah. like well you've You've removed what I would have thought was funny. Was the funny thing about it, but that that seems budgetary. That seems like <laughs> we can't we can't afford something that actually sprays paint in his face. So, but you could just get a cup of paint from off camera. It doesn't even have to look like an explosion. <laughs> I don't care. They like couldn't afford a cup of paint. <laughs> Everyone was drinking out of their hands on craft services. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have any cups. <laughs> Not in the budget. They're all drinking like cats out of a big vat of Coca Cola. <laughs> Because, yeah, it was, was like, adorable. It, even if it didn't look like an explosion, the funny thing is seeing a, an actor react to the splash of paint. Yeah. Like, right. that's the joke. Yeah, especially him, especially Captain Harris, because he's the foil in all of these uh, yeah. in all of these movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, really flaccid shit in this movie. Totally. Um, like, there, there's a point where, yeah, like, we, we've got the, the main bad guy, the mysterious guy that nobody, we don't know who he is. Yeah. He's behind a screen, and then... Uh, and the the bat, but the three bumbling yeah. you know, crime wave guys are squirt like guns. Three, yeah, they have squirt guns and they're squirting each other. They're like retarded children. I laughed at that. <laughs> then you sir <laughs> are an idiot. Because they pull out squirt guns, they're supposed to be like uh, waiting for their next. Uh, or, or no, the, the the bad guy behind a shadowy uh, piece of glass is like giving them orders, and they're like silently having a water fight. Yeah, and then I laughed at that. But I, the thing in the scene that I laughed at. For, for like for real was when the when the villain is like 
give me those squirt guns. And he takes them and he's like, oh, give them back to you after the crime spree. <laughs> yeah, actually, I did like that. I like that the the big main bad, mysterious bad guy uh, is like, is, he's reasonable. Yeah, I'll give them back to you after the end of the crime wave, yeah. which I thought was funny. I am a fan of that when the, when the big evil guy is sometimes reasonable. Yeah, like I kind of... The idea, yeah, the idea of the Doctor Claw esque villain having to be like their dad, you know, yeah. or like their parental unit, just like, guys, <laughs> I'll yeah. give them back to you later. We can't use your squirt guns right now. <laughs> but that, I guess, that's my problem is that is that for me, what I liked about it as a kid was like it, it's a bunch of crazy, wacky, falling down, and all this kind of stuff happening. But every once in a while, there's going to be a, a you know a dirty sex joke or like an <laughs> a, a F word or whatever, not yeah. an F word, but like. An S word or whatever that it <laughs> any made of the it a words. little more <laughs> just any word that starts with, with a the letter. letter really that delights me in a movie <laughs> maybe words some starts... B words C words yeah an L word yeah oh L man E word um, <laughs> the L word great show <laughs> yeah um, but uh, uh, but that's what made it fun and, and a little yeah. bit dangerous for me as a kid but this movie is so like is so cartoony yeah. that that it just seems so plastic. do you think like, the so... fact that the first one was a a, fi- a, a hit I like it's safe to say that the first one was a big movie, yeah, and that the sequel sort of rode off the first the first one's coattails. But I feel like there must have been a changing of the audience for these films. Um, I, I guess so because I mean, if you're dumbing them down to PG from PG thirteen, it's like 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 I mean, lots of R rated movies went to PG thirteen for their sequels, like Revenge of the Nerds, right? Really hard R. We've got Bush and yeah. and, and such uh, lines like that, and and then the second one was PG thirteen, and the second one's pretty funny still. But it's not the first one, and then everyone after that. I mean, they it got just into gets a little wackier, made broader. for TV territory. Yeah, sure. And and I'm not saying that this is the only movie that suffers from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it, it's a real shame, and it and it sort of like lessens the impact for people yeah. like me who were there from the beginning. Yeah, diehard Gutenberg fans <laughs> who were there from the beginning. Yeah, but it also is 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 sort of telling that this was the first movie to stop making the big money that they were making before. So, I mean, like, I feel like after the first one, maybe families were going or whatever. Like, maybe the series became something that was sort of safe for everyone to go to on opening weekend. Yeah, right. And by this point, we're, like, three movies into that audience, and even those people are kind of like, all right, I've had enough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, even the families were like, fuck, I want to see some titties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, little kid. Dad, (laughs) Dad, this movie ain't got no tits. Stop taking me to these tittyless movies. (laughs) I'm trying to become a man. Yeah. (laughs) I already got my Peter Boners. (laughs) (laughs) I got my Peter Boner all ready to come to this movie. And this movie ain't got no tits. Come on. (laughs) There's one boners in this movie. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I like f- the kid's voice, by the way. Yeah. Dad, Dad. Um, but uh, yeah, and I mean, I feel like you can even say that about the people making the movie. I mean, it there's there's uh, there's not a lot of effort being put in here. Like we're talking about these gags that are being set up that have premises, yeah, but aren't executed. No zero payoff. And, yeah. and you do start getting the feeling of like uh, you know David Graff, and I love David Graff. Uh, so sad when he died, but yeah, like, y- you get the feeling of him and and. Um, Marion, uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, like, like the people who've been there from the beginning. Yeah. Kind of, like, it, it just seems vaguely embarrassing. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm the guy who shoots everybody. Totally. And I'm meek, and I and talk on the phone with people. <laughs> yeah, and they're only like half coming up with new ideas because Michael Winslow, you know, the sound effects guy for the whole movie, could like. I mean, for me, I I find that funny and interesting. Anyway, I like that. Right. Because from my first exposure to him was, was Spaceballs. 
doing the, uh, oh, okay, uh, the right. radar and stuff. So, like, there's a weird nostalgia there for me for him. But, I mean, he has one scene in this movie where he does the Jimi Hendrix thing, which uh, is awesome. Which it, it is, but at the same time is probably one of the laziest things I've ever seen happen in a movie. Yeah. Because... They're like, okay, well, we want to showcase Michael Winslow, totally. uh, w- what he does, but I don't want to have to come up with ways that he would have to yeah. do it in the movie. Like in the first one, he gets on the police uh, like thing on and the, does, yeah, uh, like like and pretends like to be shooting Confuses everyone. people. Yeah, it, like it, it's there's it's, a consequence to what he's doing. Exactly. Like in this movie, he just like arrives. They at a just club. they show up at a comedy club. Yeah. and nobody's on stage and everybody's mad. So he's like, okay, I'll, I'll get up and do some of my patented Michael Winslow yeah. comedy. And then the the result of which is people are delighted. Everybody loves him and they clap and then they leave. Like yeah. literally he just shows up at a comedy club for no reason, I, I, does I a little like comedy I, bit and then leaves. I feel like I was taking notes and looked up and I was like, how did they get to, th- I don't know how they, they got to that club. They walked by a comedy club. <laughs> literally they just walked by a comedy club yeah. and went in and then he's like, I know what to do. Yeah. And My bit. Yeah, it's just the laziest thing. And it, it is literally just Michael Winslow's bit because I've seen him do, do that, that bit. bit in, yeah. Like, at, not at comedy so, clubs, but on which, shows and stuff. So he wh- he had never been uh, Jimi Hendrix in the series before. So for me, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. I like that he did that. Yeah. But the thing that he does later at the end of the movie where he turns into Bruce Lee, like, has happened in the movies before, uh, as far as I know. Maybe I don't remember. I don't remember it, uh, but it it is quite likely. And I feel like it was just like, oh, he'll do this again. And there's a lot of that with everybody. Like, I mean, even outside of just like they're going to reprise their roles, it's a lot of like, oh, we've done this joke before. We'll do it again. It's a callback. But it's but again, it's it's that thing of uh, like it's not even. It's just so tired because yeah. again, like Tackleberry's like they're like we got to go into the sewers and chase the bad guys, and Tackleberry's like, okay, I just got to get a couple things from my. Uh, from my bike. Yeah. He's riding a motorcycle and everyone goes down to the sewer and then he drops down and he's wearing full fatigues and he has like uh yeah. grenades and and uh and like uh you know er- uh, weapons all over him and then it just doesn't pay off. It's yeah. just like yeah, I'm the guy who has weapons. It's like it's like a former, you know, action yeah, star who shows up at a birthday party and goes, "Hey kids, remember me?" Anyway, yeah. I got it. <laughs> and the whole movie feels like that because the way they set up the beginning with them all having other jobs, which I assume is how every movie of these I'm starts. pretty sure all of them start that yeah. way. Yeah. They've all been fired from the force and, and they then, need uh, back. Although this one isn't that. I mean, they they're just cops doing cop things. Yeah. Um uh, and then there's the the rapping scene is another thing that's really lazy. Like the yeah, that was Melly Mel. High, was, uh, the rapper. Really? Yeah. Okay, because because the uh, High Tower and uh, and hooks hooks stumble upon some rappers, and they're this is a part of the again the aforementioned finding clues montage. Everybody kind of gets one scene where they're looking for clues for some reason with people that have nothing to do with anything. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're just looking for clues. Yeah, so they literally just walk on the street, find some rappers who are rapping, and then are like, start rapping about them showing up, and then the but, end of the scene is that they rap back, and then the rappers are like, oh, damn. Yeah, oh, word, you yeah. got skills. But the it's that embarrassing thing of like where they're like, okay, just do rap, 
and then we'll put the beat in later. Yeah. Because nobody's rapping nobody's to a specific beat at, beat at all. No. And they're just saying words within the sentences that yeah. happen to rhyme. Because clearly the people that wrote the movie just wrote this like on in a script. Yeah. Didn't have anything any knowledge of like rhyme. Of, what, of how, how a rhyme scheme happens so, in rhyme. Or, or a beat or a tempo or anything. Because yeah. all of the rapping in this scene is horrendously embarrassing. And like, even Melly Mel, who is like a professional rapper. Yeah. Um, you know, say not, what you will about what rap was back then. Then. Yeah. Um but uh, Oh yeah. But even he's just saying like, Hey, I'm here and I'm rapping to the beat and I'm over here and you all move your feet. Yeah. Uh all the, sorry, at the same ahead. time though, like I'm su- like I'm surprised that's who it was, but because like you said, not to say anything about what rap was at the time, but what rap was at the time was awesome, even in that sort of simplistic style. Right. And so they're not even pulling it off on this movie because I imagine it's just like he was given something to rhyme, and they were like, "You're not allowed to go off of what we've." Written yeah, exactly. Right. Just just fucking say what yeah. we wrote. He's like, it doesn't fit to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's like, no and beat. also this isn't rap. Yeah. And like, oh, just <laughs> the weird thing, actually, speaking of what rap was back then, this was nice. 1989. Yeah. So we've we've already done on Time Bandits here. We've already done a um yeah. you know an NWA album like like real yeah. rap was a thing. Uh, now I mean obviously back in in the early 80s and stuff like that when when it was you know people like Melly Mal and Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. Um it, it, it was you know there was a certain integrity to it. It was just very simplistic. Yeah. But the fact that they got Melly Mal and like. And this was the kind of rap that they were doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's that I'm I'm rapping and I'm here to say I like to rap in a rapping way. Yeah, you know it's that kind of rap. Although I will say, Hightower has a line that his last line. I'm like, all right, it's what not was that it? Bad. Oh He's yeah, like, yeah. something about yeah, you're good to rap and we won't dispute you. But if I find out you're lying, I'll come back and shoot you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like mm, all right, and then he's like, word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then the reaction shots of them are like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's dope. Um, I think at this point in the plot... Um, quote, unquote. Quote, unquote plot. <laughs> we get to the point where they, they all kind of decide, oh, there's this diamond being delivered to the city. That's something that will attract the Garrett Graham and co. and villain. And so we'll use this as a sort of bait situation. Right. Um, to get them. So they're driving around a truck with the diamond in it. And uh, again, unbeknownst to the people that... Uh, who The two from the... No, it's... Uh, Unbeknownst, who are the guys in the in the diamond? Harris, track? it's Harris, Harris and Proctor. And Proctor, yeah. Um, unbeknownst who are part to them, of the, part of the police, like part of the good guys, but they're the bad guys of the good guys. Yes, and yeah. and so they are trying to kind of take credit for whatever is going to happen. If the police academy dudes uh, and dudettes end up winning, they're trying to angle it so that it looks like it's them. Mm-hmm. And uh, but again, it, the, throughout the movie, we've been set up from the opening scene that every time you know they're trying to catch the guys, the bad guys they will get sort of duped without them noticing. Yeah, so in yeah. this scene, they get uh, the, the, the the crime spree dudes, like, steal the diamond out from under them. Right. And then they turn around uh, and are like, oh, Quite literally, well, like, out from, like, the they cut a hole out of the, out of the truck. floor of the yeah. truck and they take it. Although this does have one of my favorite lines in the movie um, where uh, uh, Harris is explaining to Proctor how they're going to grab all the glory uh when when they finally catch the guys yeah and uh, proctor goes well sir you certainly know how to throw your fat around yeah <laughs> <laughs> instead of throw your weight around which yeah. i'm like all right that's for this kind of movie all right you'll take it where you can get it exactly yeah that's as good as it's gonna get here. yeah so now um shortly after this the police academy crew are suspended because it looks like uh what's his name is the leak the older dude uh 
the older the dude. older guy that's like the head of the police academy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they uh, 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 Commandant Lassar. Yes, Commandant. Um, Looks like he is the leak who is uh, telling the bad guys what they are doing. So that's another kind of through line. So him out. and all of the cops on this case, yeah. which they needed in the first eight place. Cops, uh, yeah, they they were like, well, these are the cops that we're gonna get to, to and then yeah. And then they find out the one guy's the leak, and they're like, okay, all the cops on this case are fired. Yeah. So they need to sort of decide that they'll band together and save his name and figure it out, which leads to some action scenes. And this is arguably, what, halfway through the movie? It, I think it's uh, maybe two-thirds. Two-thirds of the way I through think, the movie. I think so. That's when this other plot comes in. Yeah. That's a perfectly serviceable plot. I yeah. was like, this plot's not that bad. But it's also where my interest dropped completely. Well, yeah. Like, it... It has no business being in this movie. Basically, no. they they go out on their own. The cops who who are fired from the case, they go out on their own to figure it out, and they find out that somebody is um uh the the crime spree is going on. Yeah. So that property values along this one bus route are yeah. um uh, drop so that somebody can buy up all the property around the bus like yeah. along this bus route. Um, Which is, yeah, like you said, interesting, but at the same time, I feel like I didn't even notice that it was the plot. It, until well, it wasn't. All it, of a sudden, at the end, they were like, it was about property value, and I was like, it was? It was, it was it, that was the plot for two scenes. Yeah. The one, the one scene where they figure it out, and then the scene at the very end. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, they bring it up, and I remember, I, I didn't know if it was just because I was taking notes and, and, and forgetting about it, or if I was just completely checked out. Yeah. But yeah, when they bring up at the end, uh, oh, it's about, they did it for this, oh, it yeah, just yeah. for property value, it was worth a lot of money or something. <laughs> and and I go, what? say, at the end, they're like, uh, really? So this was just a fucking real estate thing? Yeah, and they're like... "This was all, That's all this was? And then they're like, yeah, but it was a lot of money, so... Goodbye. Doesn't that make this a, a plot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the value was high, so plot? Yeah, so I think that was a plot. Yeah. Technically, that was a plot, guys. <laughs> yeah, but that all leads to the sewer chase you were mentioning and then also a big monster truck chase. And, Ugh, I, and yeah. I sent to Casey while we were watching this, while I was watching this movie, that like I was upset at this film for making me bored of explosions and monster trucks. Yeah. I mean, by that point, my interest should have peaked. I should have been bored the whole movie, and then when and the explosions happen, finally happened, there's a monster truck. But yeah, yeah the monster truck sh shows up, and I was just like, "There's a monster truck now." Yeah. And also, well, because it is that thing of like where, hey, people like monster trucks, right? What yeah. do people like now? Tru uh, like rap and monster <laughs> trucks. Let's yeah. get those two things in. Totally. Um, but the monster truck thing kind of mystified me because Hightower uh, pulls up in this monster truck and then leans over to the rest of the people and goes... Does anyone know how to drive this thing? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you do clearly. Yeah. You just drove, <laughs> drove it, it up. And then Tackleberry's like, oh, I'll drive it. Yeah. Because he's the guy who likes to destroy everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of driving, there was one uh, thing that I read about uh, before I watched this movie that I was happy to see in the movie when it happens. So Proctor's driving a bus at one point in this film yeah. and full of people and kind of takes it on a crazy wild journey. Which, which I thought was funny. They steal a bus because they need to, to join the high-speed chase. Yeah. And uh, But Proctor uh, uh, stops and lets a bunch of people on and Harris yeah. is like, why are you letting these people on? And he's like, uh, it's a bus. Yeah. <laughs> so another Seinfeld connection. Uh, they kept oh, ringing yeah. the bell. People kept, people kept ringing know. the bell. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Seinfeld ripped off police academy. <laughs> Yikes! Um, so he's driving the the bus, and and 
at one point he's careening around a bend and and almost hits a fruit uh, stand. Yeah. And they go, watch out for Siskel and Ebert's or Gene and Robert's fruit stand or something. In reference to the fact that apparently on one of their episodes when they were recording, when they were reviewing one of the previous movies, they said, like, I think it's contractually obligated that in every one of these movies you have to run through a fruit stand or something. They're, yeah. like, making fun of how stupid these movies were. And then... Uh, and then But that had been a running in. joke, was, yeah. was that they were always running through a fruit stand. Yeah. So uh, then they d- named it after Gene and uh, uh, Roger's fruit stand. That's great. I I didn't even. Uh, I think uh, it's the most clever thing in the movie. It is. It's like, very clever. And the fact that they were like in this dumb lowbrow version of a lowbrow franchise, yeah. they were like, you know what? We're not gonna run down yeah. the fruit stand. Yeah. Instead of going like, oh yeah, then we're gonna run down a thousand fruit stands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like one tiny fruit stand, and we're not gonna hit it. <laughs> there, there's a there's a moral victory in that. Yeah, totally. And so I guess uh, uh, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down anyway. But we're like, shocking. We're, we're like, cool that you guys did that. That's pretty funny. But yeah. your movie still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my notes turned off around this point. Um, well, the movie did also. Yeah. So fair. they figure out that it's actually a Scooby-Doo-style thing, and they rip off the face of a, oh, of, of okay. a guy. Th- this is the weirdest thing. So they, they get to the to the bad guy's lair, and then they chase him, which is in the sewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they chase him, but they, you still don't see who he is. This yeah. is the shadowy figure. Um, and they chase him and chase him, and, and they chase him into the uh, police commissioner's office. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Uh, and they get there, and the police commissioner's there, and he's like, uh, what are you doing in my office? And he's like, well, we chased the, the bad guy into this office. Yeah. So it must be you. And he's like, well, it's not me. And then the police commissioner runs through the door, yeah. and there's two police commissioners. Yeah. Um, and it turns into that classic, like, well, one of them must be the real one, and what, like... Which, th- they don't play for any laughs or anything. No. It's just, there's two of them now, completely unnecessarily, yeah. and then they rip the one guy's, one of theirs face off, and it turns out to be the mayor. Yeah. Who then becomes a wacky nut job <laughs> that he was before he used to not be able to remember, remember words, things. and now he's like a fucking wacky nut yeah. job who's bouncing around the office going, "Wee, I'm crazy." <laughs> real estate, yeah, and yeah. real estate. It was a lot of money. Boop, 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 boop. The end. You figured it out. Yeah. Uh, put uh, Harris on some balloons and send him into the sky. The end. The <laughs> end. Now, the thing about the two of them showing up, too, is, yeah, like, this, like I mean, this movie pulls so much from cartoons, and that's just a classic, like, you always say, like, public domain sort of joke. Yeah. And, and um, you you know, you expect, it, I mean, even if I was writing this movie, I would have had them walk up to each other and do the same, like, hand motions, like, you do know. Do something with it, because something. there's no reason that 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 should have happened they should have just come into the the thing and been like oh my god it's the mayor there's no reason for him to have been dressed up like the police commissioner as part of the plot no he just decided arbitrarily to dress up like the police yeah yeah like you if you have that plot mechanic then you know you need to include like oh we've kidnapped the real one and replaced him or you know have like a chase scene where where both of them are running and you can't figure out who it is or so, like something. Yeah. yeah. There needs to be a reason for him to be dressed up like the police but commissioner, isn't. but there's not. He just is. Yeah. And also, by the way, the mayor is a larger, stockier man and uh, uh, looks nothing like uh, yeah. the police commissioner. Yeah, totally. Which, again, is something you could play for laughs. Yeah. Like if you have him, the whole movie being thin or whatever and then at the end of the reveal you pull off his face and then you cut back and he's wide and he's again or something big, yeah he's or just he like a big pops out guy. of the clothes or something like yeah. something make it make it 
see, that's already much funnier. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> this movie like, just it's so it's, lazy. It's, it's stuck in a sort of like yeah lazy halfway point where they want to be a cart a live action cartoon, but they're not embracing it. You know, I mean, they do sometimes, but not to the full extent that you yeah. want it to. I just realized I've been using the word flaccid for a lot of these jokes and this movie was directed, directed by, by peter boners, boners. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a lot of lot of dong yeah references so um on wikipedia i liked that uh leonard malton uh gave it a turkey He'd given like all of them a bomb or turkey or whatever and he just said recommended for only for people who thought please academy five was robbed at the oscars <laughs> 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 um but yeah yeah flaccid just not didn't yeah, just bore like so forgettable, so yeah. boring. And it, but the thing is, it's not even by the numbers. Like, it's not even a thing of like where oh, I've seen that joke before. Yeah, because it's not uh, because the, if you saw that joke before, there was a setup and payoff. Mm-hmm. There was not none of that in this no. movie. It was just this happens, and yeah. oh, this guy's gonna get kicked in the nuts. There's one thing visually that I thought was great because it, uh, the the big thing with uh, with. Bruce Mahler's character, Fackler, yeah. is that he's a big klutz. And, and I was going to say that I wanted to wrap around on to talk about him for a quick second. So oh, okay. Yeah, good. go for it. Uh, uh, <laughs> and and he's really great at that. Like, he's the like the yeah. Mr. Magoo kind of thing of, like, where he just walks through the scene, dun, 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 and he's smacking people in the face with his baton yeah. or with whatever he's carrying, and he doesn't realize how many people he's injuring, and he's totally. just a happy-go-lucky fellow. Um and there's one there's one scene where he's just walking through and now everybody's gotten wise to it so everybody sees him coming and they're just running away from him and there's one guy who jumps behind a desk it is one of the most inspired jumping out of yes, the way of yeah. things I've ever seen because he just sort of jumps sideways. It's like a <laughs> barrel roll in the air yeah. behind a desk. It's beautiful. It's good. And and any time that his character was doing that, I was fairly amused compared yeah. to not being amused in any way. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I don't know if I'm just a sucker for that like walking contradiction thing, you know, where he's like knocking a, a, like a candle or whatever into a fireworks box yeah. or... Or whatever, or hitting people with a pool cue, and it's that thing of like where he knocks the candle into the uh, uh, into the box of fireworks, and because it's going on behind him, he can't see or yeah. hear any of it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's behind him, so he does not pay attention. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Whenever he was, I feel like he nail he he's one of the only people that kind of nails that in this movie. Yeah, and and maybe that. You know, maybe that means he was trying more than anyone else, but uh, I don't know. I just ended up feeling really sorry for, for you know, David Graff and and Michael Winslow and uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, all like and and Bubba Smith because they all just seemed to be kind of like looking around, going. Uh, I thought we signed on for a movie. Yeah, like going <laughs> like I, I I don't know. I, I really don't know what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, upsetting. Yeah, for sure. I'm. I'm. That's not upsetting. What did I expect out of police? <laughs> no, but it is kind of sad because it is like you know these people have been doing this char- these characters for so long. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's a weird element of of you know comfort comfort comf- like they're comfortable in these characters, but at the same time they're not being given anything. Yeah. So it's and like, well, what did you want us to do? Like we signed on for this movie and we have these characters, but you're just saying you know do these half baked jokes like. I'm sure that they, when given the right stuff at this point, they probably could have made a cool movie. Yeah, they could have done something. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think it's it's worth uh, uh, mentioning that this is not the end of the uh, no. Because I was about to say franchise. <laughs> there's a new Police Academy movie. In oh well, the no, there's one after this. Oh, the Mission oh. to Moscow. Oh, was that that was after this? Yes, there's seven of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Mission to Moscow came afterwards, which is usually. 
referenced as sort of it's it's become one of those like punchlines like Electric Boogaloo, you know, or for sequels where it's like oh, Mission, yeah, to Mission to Moscow, Moscow yeah. is is generally regarded as the worst one because I think they from from Police Academy one to six, I think they released them every year. Mm-hmm. Like it was like an industry in itself, right? And then they waited like a couple years because Mission to Moscow came out in '94, which I wonder if it it was '94 that this came out, and I wonder if uh, uh, if it was just shelved for a long time because um, in '94, you, you know, like Mission to Moscow in the late in the mid to late '80s would have been topical, yeah, because it's like oh well, you know, the Russian guy, the Russians are the bad guys, kind of yeah. thing. But um, in 94, like, I mean, I feel like just having Russians as the, or like having it said in Russia is just kind of arbitrary. Yeah, totally. I've used the word arbitrary a lot today, too. (laughs) And I mean, Mission to Moscow was cost 10 million, which like the the previous film barely struggled to get over, uh, which is crazy. Like, Like if your last movie made 11 million, then why are you giving one this many years later 10 million? Yeah. And uh, then it o- and it only made one hundred and twenty six thousand two hundred forty seven dollars domestically. How much? One hundred and twenty six thousand two hundred forty seven dollars. Uh, According to Wikipedia, that's really sad. Uh, who's in this one? Uh, in Police Academy: Mission to yeah. Moscow, do, we do got we Michael Winslow, back? David Graff. Uh, so we got uh, uh, Larval Jones, Eugene Tackleberry, Callahan, uh, Commander Eric Lassard, Kyle Connors, uh, Claire Forlani. Yeah. Ron Perlman. How old is Claire Forlani at this point? I don't know, but though those they're uh, they're the Russians though. Oh, so we only yeah, have I one, two, that. three, four, five, six of the original, or even not original. Are these all original uh, Police Academy characters? So we Michael Winslow's back. David Graff is Leslie Easterbrook. Leslie is Callahan. She was always Callahan. George Gaines is Eric Lassard. Is that? Yeah, he was always Lassard. Okay, Commandant Lassard. I don't know their names. <laughs> uh, G.W. Bailey was always Harris. Okay, and Charlie Schlatner. Charlie Schlatter, Schlatter, no. Kyle I'm, I'm guessing Charlie Schlatter Cadet. is the new... Uh, new edition. I'm guessing he's the new uh, Gutenberg. So five of the original. Uh, yeah, they couldn't even get um, hooks back. Yeah. Uh, so, like, why bother? Was there people waiting for this? Like, was it a passion project to somebody? <laughs> I Honestly, I feel like it probably sat on a shelf for a while, and they were like, yeah. look, we have this thing. We got to get it out. We need to recoup yeah. some losses from the $10 million we spent on this Totally. Shit house. I can totally see that. Yeah, maybe it was like written years previously, and then they were just like, "Let's just make it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just fucking put it out. I don't yeah. care. But you were saying there isn't. They haven't. They've been talking for a long time. I feel like about a new police academy. Uh, well, yeah, they're they're closer now in that uh, it's been given to uh, uh, Key and Peel, mm. which uh, uh, Michael Keegan Key. Yeah, Michael Keegan Key is it, and um, Jordan Peel. Yeah, um, who. I don't hate. I I think they they've done some sketches that I've thought were super. I funny. really like Jordan Peele. I think yeah. he's I think he's genuinely funny and genuinely an interesting performer. Uh, Michael Keegan Key, I, I have a little bit of time for because he had one or two funny lines in Wanderlust. Yeah, he was good in Wanderlust. Yeah. I Otherwise, I mean, he has been insufferable. Yeah. He's not good on his own. He's not a naturally funny person. I don't. think. Yeah. But I think Jordan Peele is totally. They they have some sketches from Key and Peele. I really like their sketch for uh, Hale's Kitchen. Have you seen? that no it's like basically just one of them is is a chef with two other chefs and then one of them's playing sort of like the asshole head chef like uh yeah, ramsey like type Ramsey, yeah. and he's just doing the classic thing where he's like your food sucks 
is what I would be saying if it, you know, like, yeah. and just taking that to the extreme and just continuing to reverse and reverse and reverse. Right. Which is, I thought it was just like a classic sketch kind of bit. Just yeah, like yeah. Pointing out, like, this thing's funny if when they do this, let's just keep doing it. Right. Yeah. So I would be interested to see what that would end up like, a new police county with them. We'll see. And, and the thing is, I like the idea of them being given a pre-existing property yeah. that has been worn out because maybe they, maybe, you know, with their fresh eyes and their kind of confidence and competency yeah. in making sketch comedy, maybe that's going to bring something. Yeah, I would actually be interested to see them play against each other in that movie. I like wonder have, if... Have one of them be a part of the ragtag group and then have one of them be, you know, be like... Be the Harris or... Yeah. Or, yeah. Because I feel like that's what I liked about that one sketch, and I feel like they're good at that. Like, right. playing the opposites mm-hmm. is maybe something that's their strength. Uh, well, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, I don't know if... Uh, uh, like, I feel like they've been, uh, like, given the property. Like, I don't know if they'll write and direct yeah. and star. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but... You know, anything's got to be better than what's happened to the franchise. And, you know, it didn't start out that strong. No, no. It, it's not a movie that's dated that well. No. It, it has its moments. Oh, I loved it. I Like, I've seen Police Academy 1 so many times. Yeah. Fuck. So, in 1997, they made Police Academy the TV series. It wasn't just a cartoon? No, it was a cartoon and a TV series. 26 episodes, and in 1988, it was a, a Police Academy, the, the animated series, for two in seasons. Ni- did you say 98? 88. 88, okay. So before... Uh, Police Academy 6 it was already a cartoon so that I mean I feel like they were maybe trying to funnel from the kids to the show to Police Academy 6 yeah kind of deal which is just awkward yeah why would you do that who who did they have voices did they like do they have a, a list of uh, they have characters the Mahoney's back for this I'm not seeing uh, voice cast Ron Rubin Dan Hennessy Howard Morris Greg Morton Len Carlson Don Franks uh, I'm not seeing any names that I jump Nobody. out at me. I see Frank Welker's name in there. Yeah. Additional voices. But, I mean, he's always done whatever. Yeah. Um, that's so part of weird. what's great about Frank Welker. Yeah. Uh, who was on the TV series? Who was on the live action, which I assume was a prime time situation? Michael or, Winslow was there. Of course. Uh, Matt Borlenghi, Tony Longo, Joe Flaherty. Oh, God. Uh, and a bunch of was others. It, was it the same... Uh, cat like was it was there a tackleberry and was there a um yes uh well there was a cadet tackleberry two cadet tackleberries dirk and dean oh god oh so it's a thing of like where these are the kids yeah, of uh i bet like oh, okay well that's that's gross yeah and i will be looking that he's up on the, youtube he's the only one that came to that show yeah who was michael winslow yeah well that's the sad thing is that like um written like, by the director of the original though paul Maslansky. oh all right um <laughs> but like that that like what what michael winslow does is so specific like, yeah there, there's not a lot of other places he could have gone no so all right i think we've cut we've heard i like that we turned dovetailed into a sort of a all of police academy discussion <laughs> that's cool <laughs> the whole mythology yeah yeah uh, with that much output of the series like if with it turning into that big of an industry there must have been people that were just diehard straight through uh oh i assume that so. just didn't even really like care that it turned into just crap cartoon jokes i should have been one of them because of how much i love the first yeah. one but i don't even think i saw anything beyond Three. Yeah. I don't think I saw four or five or six or yeah. seven or um, whatever. Well, as customary on the show, we talk about what we learned. I learned that uh, Hightower doesn't like cats. 
He no. or he does. Wait, like, no, he does I learned like that cats. he does like cats, but he doesn't, but he doesn't want you, want you know to know. It. No, no, <laughs> no. I learned that sometimes Gutenberg does make a movie better. Yeah, the or Goots. A franchise. The Goot. Sometimes you need a Goot. Sometimes. Sometimes if sometimes I feel like a Goot. Sometimes <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's what I learned. Um. Well, to theme with this uh, adolescent, childish. Uh, TV, uh, TV series, animated series, and film series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that we would pick something from other, a- uh, something else adolescent to pair with it. Uh, yeah, and actually, there's a there's another sort of poignant uh, uh, s- s- similarity here, in that uh, the oh, original I- Police Academy, uh, its original star is part of what made it great. Yes, and then any subsequent thing without that original star was not as good. Yes, and also the original sort of entity of it was something that's great and to your point of wanting to be a fan straight through not happening yeah so what were you and then you were gonna say and i was gonna say and then and this was a band that once milo ackerman was gone yeah turned out to be really flaccid and boring flaccid (laughs) yeah so we're talking about all we're talking about their second album all roy's revenge um so as we mentioned descendants debut album milo goes to college one of my all-time favorite albums. That's their that's their debut album. Yeah, Milo goes to college, and then the reason they uh, split up. Yeah, for <laughs> a period. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, he, like a bit. This this album was a a pretty major part of my my life. Which uh, was Alroy's Revenge. No, or Milo goes Milo to college. Milo goes to college. Well, yeah. Um, like I could do a whole episode just talking about that episode. Yeah, I mean, talking about that, that album. album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, dude, I totally get that. Yeah, like because the the Descendants for me were one of those bands where I was like, oh wait, I don't have to be listening to Bad English. I don't have to be listening <laughs> to you know Aerosmith records. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even with the regrettable elements of that album, like the '80s homophobia and and I mean and, and the misogyny that's sort of like in pop punk as a whole genre. Even even uh, look, I, I I really hate it when Descendants are called pop punk i get it it, it they are though I, uh, <laughs> uh, at least a seedling of it yeah they, they're look they're to blame but that's like because i feel like saying pop punk people think of the three chord ramon style thing which isn't necessarily i don't think that punk. is pop punk i think pop punk has a has a, a wider chord structure yeah. to it uh it, it's but I feel like pop punk misses the point of of what Descendants were doing. Mm-hmm. Like the the musicality of what the Descendants were doing. Oh, there was crazy, really, really fucking interesting. Yeah, uh, because uh, you know Bill Stevenson is a uh, like who was really sort of the core of this band. Yeah. Um. I yeah, and you know I don't know though because like Egerton on guitar. Oh my god, his guitar style I think is also super core. Uh, but and I nobody's mean, been able to do it. Nobody no. sounds like him as a guitarist. No. And and the whole thing about Milo. So after Milo goes to college, if you've never heard Descendants or anything, just go listen to Milo goes to college. After that, he did everything. go to college. Yeah. Um. And so they decided to continue the band, calling uh calling their band all. Mm-hmm. Um. And sort of continued in his absence, and then eventually started to uh exist coexist at the same time. Right. Um. But uh, all kind of did, yeah, because because Milo came back, came back, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, because he went to go do biochemistry, and then they were in a hiatus for a while. Um, and that's th- when all happened. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the timeline is. Okay, so all Roy says was '88. Yeah, because I'm just thinking because I know that they sort of took the name all because the final Descendants uh, album was was called All, and I'm mm-hmm. just wondering when that was released. But anyway. So they had a handful of albums. They were always changing singers. 
But the thing about all that I feel like gets overlooked a little bit is that um, people kind of like I agree that one of the reasons All Roy's Revenge and All as a whole doesn't really live up to the Descendants is because Milo's absence. Yeah, obviously. But at the same time, Milo wasn't the songwriter of Descendants. They no, all were. No, he wasn't the songwriter. Exactly. Um, like Bill Stevenson actually wrote a lot a of lot the of stuff. songs. Um, Egerton. And, but the thing is, Stephen Egerton. Um, like th- there are moments on this on this album. Okay, let's just like jump right into the okay. album here. Um, uh, I, I kind of have it here, track to track. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, but I'm gonna jump over to um, to an uh, uh, to a song. Is it Carnage? I can't remember if it's Carnage or if it's Bubblegum. Yeah. But one of them has has this really like uh, Stephen Egerton, like, look what I'm doing. Kind yeah. of like, this is my definitive style kind totally. of thing. And, and it's kind of messy and it's all over the place. And this riff doesn't really lead into this next riff. Yeah. They're, they're just two coexisting riffs. And what made that acceptable on a Descendants album was that if that was happening, Milo Ackerman was singing about farts or, some- or, or something over top of it that that made everything cohesive or that yeah. made you kind of go like those guitar parts are cool they're not really cohesive but yeah. there's something funny or weird going on uh, at the same time yeah whereas scott reynolds doesn't have any of that he's no. not an interesting vocalist no he's a good singer he's not interesting and he was their second uh yeah their second their second because before him was uh dave smalley right um and dave then- smalley was from um uh where was he from he was from uh, Dag Nasty. Uh, Dag Nasty, right? Uh, he was in Down by Law, yeah, mm-hmm. DYS. Um, yeah, so he was on their first album. Then uh, Reynolds takes over for a period, I think, until the early '90s, and then Chad Price comes along. and And I have some of the albums from the Chad Price era as well. They kind of si- ended up signing to like a major label around that time. Uh, briefly, for, I think. Yeah, they were, super they, for their pummel, and then they got like kicked off. Like, right well, away. yeah, because they didn't like they they got uh, uh, they were sort of disillusioned with the way they were being yeah. marketed, and, and stuff. also, yeah, it was one of those things where they they jumped on a major label for pummel. They had a bunch of music videos made, it didn't perform, mm-hmm. and then like the label was kind of like, oh. Pop, like this kind of like not early 90s 93 94 pop punk punk rock kind of stuff is blowing up we should get them and then when they didn't sort of pan out they were like anyway see ya <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right which which fucking fair enough yeah um but so i feel like the thing about all is they kind of go in the two directions that um like when milo left i feel like all kind of does the thing where they do every kind of descendant song because some of the songs in this album have what you were talking about like that sort of crazy egerton style of Mm -hmm. just like look what i'm doing some of them kind of have like the the heavier elements of stuff like camage or or other songs from descendants where they or or i can't remember if it was camage or coolidge they had some stuff, or Hurt and Crew and stuff, where they had just that kind of, like, chuggy metal stuff. Yeah. And then they also have the, like, pop uh, Milo songs, which are the only songs on this album that I think are memorable at all. I think, But even uh, those, I don't, uh, I don't care that much I think for. She's My Ex is a great song, and See, I think if Milo was singing it, it, it would be recognized as a great I, song. Yeah, I think, okay. I, but I, I actually, still think it's great. I actually um, uh, have something very similar here. Um I think that because that was written by Bill Stevenson. Yeah. She's my ex. I think it feels like it would have been a lesser song on a Descendants record. Uh, I think if it was a Descendants song, I think it would be mem- memorable like songs like Pep to- Talk and sure. and and uh and Silly Girl. Yeah. Stuff like that. that. That's the that's the Oh wait, no. It's not it's sad. On, Scary Sad is the scary one that sad reminded was the one me a lot of s- Silly Girl. Yeah, well Scary Sad I was going to say is another one. I mean 
it, I mean, talking externally of Milo Goes to College, which is a Stone Cold Classics track <laughs> one, track one on. Yeah. I mean, the later Descendants albums are all spotty Somewhat in their own spotty, right. Yes, and I feel like these. She's my ex. Scary sad. I think there was one or two other ones. Carnage, maybe, where. Um, yeah, on like you know, enjoy or all or one of their later, you know, I don't want, I don't want to grow up would mm-hmm. be like these powerhouse, you know, like that bring the whole album together right. and make it worth your purchase. Uh, like but here, I, not really. Yeah, <laughs> because it's because it's it's kind of thrown in amidst. There's a couple songs that they, I guess, allowed Scott Reynolds to to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, Box, Mary, uh, Box, uh, which is about their uh, um, practice room. Uh, and it, it, it's not um, cohesive at all. No, it, it does not feel like like descendancy. No, it doesn't feel like all, which basically kind of feels like boring descendants. But it's it's really out of place. Yeah, I feel and, and I feel like had he struck out uh, on his own and started his own band. Um, with songs like this, he could have his own sort of renown. I certainly wouldn't like it, yeah. but I think people would have. Yeah. But, uh, but up against Descendants, this stuff just sounds weak as fuck. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there's elements like on Check One, which is like a short 40-second uh, song, totally trying to do the like... Uh, do the Descendants, the Descendants thing, like thing like the... Descendants thing like Wiener Schnitzel. Wiener Schnitzel, yeah. Yeah, or um, Kids on Coffee or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, just trying to do that, and then I'm talking about singing about this, sing about that. Yeah, yeah, like but it's, trying to do the hyperactive thing. But again, Milo was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> and and this guy doesn't do that. Like I actually kind of liked uh, new theme. Um, yeah, well, it's like every Descendants album in the later years would have like a song called theme to close out the album or right. start the album or somewhere there would be an instrumental playing on the the theme of the word theme. Right. Yeah, and, and I and I don't mind it either. I like it here. Because it's just a bunch of fucking masturbating. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's just it's just cool riff, cool riff, cool riff, cool riff, and then done. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, that's something that the Descendants do, and you know, I would say we're being unfair. Uh, constantly, um, I do think they get comparing a, them to Descendants, but but you can't not you can't well because they haven't tried to do anything different and they existed at the same time and oftentimes like I mean if you look at their later stuff with uh, the Chad Price when Mass Nerder came out it came out around the same time as uh, Everything Sucks mm-hmm. and there's songs on Mass Nerder that Milo and the and the gang wrote for the Descendants albums that just ended up on yeah. Mass Nerder and if you actually go track by track between Everything Sucks and Mass Nerder it's like sequenced to be. The, like a, like the same a kind of thing. It's a, a companion, companion piece. piece. Yeah. Right. So like the songs like track one and track one on both albums kind of like share themes or similar sounds or styles, and you go through the album and you realize it's actually like paced to be like that. And right. I, and so it's like they're playing into it, you know. Right. Which and that's great and that's interesting that uh, uh, that there is sort of like an amicable uh, uh, relationship between yeah. the two bands. Uh, obviously, sharing so many members, but it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse, right? right. Like you can't separate the two because they were writing songs just as a band and it just kind of whichever songs ended up not on the Descendants albums ended up on all albums yeah I think yeah yeah and and one of those bands is gonna suffer and it's not gonna be the one with all the original members yeah but even yeah like I mean Descendants for a while I would call my all time favorite band I still think I probably would but as Mm -hmm. I get older and distance myself from them a little bit I don't know if I would say that because I don't think their output 
is that strong but yeah like their later albums the sentence albums like they have songs from just like i don't care like enjoy is probably their worst album i think it's a pretty garbage album aside from a few songs <laughs> but, but the 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 couple of songs on it are great are fucking great yeah like i don't think they have an album that doesn't have at least one kind of well no. except for you know it, when in the later 90s like i think everything sucks onwards has a, has albums that are like okay that has a couple of pretty good songs on i think it. everything sucks onwards they got great again because I think really? Everything Sucks is fantastic. Almost, it, I think Everything Sucks might be their best for after Milo. That's and then, crazy that you say that. And then uh, Cool to Be You after that, I think, is a is a good follow-up to Everything Sucks, but isn't, you know, obviously as good as their other stuff. I can't definitively say that, that you're wrong. Uh, I don't think uh, any of their albums hang together as well as Everything Sucks after Milo. Right. Um, well, I like when when everything sucks came out. Like uh, I had already spent my child childhood, my teen years, you know, listening yeah. to uh, like or, or early Descendants and like going like fucking super nuts yeah. for it. Um, and so when everything sucks came out, that was when Milo had come back, and it was like yeah. I was like, eh, uh, I just I don't care anymore because like you know I was like a purist at the time. <laughs> like, uh, I was an see for me it was kind of like oh you know back to what what made the whole band great in the first place which was like having this cohesive album yeah whereas i didn't get that with the other ones although i love i you know i have a lot of their other albums anyway like i own them on vinyl and stuff well yeah sure because it's still the descendants <laughs> and yeah. there's still gonna be a couple of songs uh, uh on it that are yeah. that are worthwhile having also quick i don't want to talk too long about everything sucks but that was when you know after the first album their production values you know as we got into the mid ladies mid 80s mid ladies mid to ladies no <laughs> no mid ladies late e's spelled 80s yeah so like when we got into there you know i mean bill stevenson i think was still producing their stuff at that point and he produced this album but but it has that 80s it's you know? so much shinier yeah i i think when everything sucks came out and it had the crunch yeah i didn't like it i loved it because i because it's a very you know bill stevenson produced albums for like uh good riddance and stuff and anytime i hear an album produced by bill stevenson post you know 90s because mm-hmm. he, he works at the blasting room which yeah. is his studio it's like you know it's a bill stevenson album because it has this very distinct descendants style crunch to it and i but, felt like none of the albums between everything sucks and milo had a distinct sort of it just had that kind of like boomy 80s echoey drum sound i don't like that see i think i think that's what i that's the definitive sound of the descendants no to because me. milo is very crunchy and very and very distortion and very punchy uh, but it's still like like I found everything sucks onward. I found to be um, co- like the 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 sort of new school of recording where like everything's a little too clear for my liking. Okay. Whereas everything backwards was muddy. Yeah. And and like there was like a like it was like fuck you we're making a fucking album <laughs> and 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 like I don't give a fuck what's production I don't yeah. care. Um, like just fucking press record on your ghetto blaster. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and there was something I, I liked that. about that because it's like that thing of like where where you watch like early eighties uh, slasher movies and you're like yeah. this is a little bit scarier because it's really We're grimy, grimy yeah. and, and I like can see it's, that uh, so there's like a weird authenticity to yeah. it where it almost feels like a snuff film totally like where where like early Descendants feels more. Um, uh, like uh, there's more integrity to yeah. it, or, or so am, it feels. Am I wrong to assume that because sort of like when everything sucks came out and it kind of it came out on Epitaph, I believe, yeah. or was it Fat Wreck? I think it was Epitaph. No, it was Epitaph. Um, and it was sort of in like '96, and that sort of like it, it, and it ended up kind of like 
in my mind, I feel like when Everything Sucks came out, it was like, see, this is how you do it to everybody that's doing it right yeah, now. Right. But I feel like it does sort of sound-wise sort of lump in with that era. And I feel uh, like maybe at the time you were like, this isn't for me. This is like what's going on now oh, I, that not I don't just, like. Not just at the time. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it really was. It, like, I think an album of punk well it was skate punk back then yeah you, you know before pop punk was a thing before everybody thought it was cool to call something pop punk which yeah. blows my mind um it, you know it was kind of just skate punk or like uh, uh I, I don't know whatever the fuck you'd call it um but so yeah like when it when it was an era of what pop punk was and then a, and a, a band a seminal band that sort of gave way to that kind of thing puts out an album it will get lumped in a yeah. little bit and and maybe that is part of why i don't like it or, or not well, that just, i don't even like just it that i it just sounds sort of like it has the crunch that like all punk in that era had it's not so much the 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 crunchiness as it is the shiny the shiny well, the shine yeah okay yeah, the, the, that I but a like. lot of that era of like pop poppy punk or whatever you want to call it, skate punk even in the 90s mm-hmm. it had that kind of like like i can understand the production wise because it does sort of everything gets lost in that sort of sheen of of distortion and, and recording style yeah like yeah like i get that but uh, i i felt like it was like the masters being like nah this is <laughs> yeah exactly but then again like th- that's the that's uh your vantage point and mine are two yeah very and also things. i was really young when that like came out so you know i was discovering everything sucks not that long after falling in love with milo goes to college right yeah so uh yeah well exactly so so there, there was a bit of time for me in yeah. between um and i was just starting college too and and you know i was starting to listen to like uh, uh, you know Tom Waits yeah. and oh, stuff like that. I'm, where I was I'm like, so beyond this. Uh, well, exactly. <laughs> like, like there was a certain amount of that. Like, there's this huge backlash to like. There's the Descendants were still like a fucking thing for me. Like, yeah. No, the Descendants are fucking amazing. Yeah. But but, but it was like, uh, but you know, like there's no subtlety to what they're doing. <laughs> now. There's no there's no uh, uh, you know social commentary like there was when they were talking about parts and coffee yeah, all and the time. Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think about like all Roy revenge like i think there's some songs on here i think it's a cliche that i say a lot but i think there's maybe you know like three like you could turn this into an ep mm-hmm. that would have been like a fine diversion from descendants i think you're right and i but i just think that they do get a bad rep for all it, like i said it's a blessing and a curse like you go through their albums and they have some like if you took every great all song that could stand up to the descendants or at least stand, be worthy of standing in the shadows of the descendants mm-hmm. You probably have a pretty cool album that would, like, add, if it had come out, you know, back then, you'd be like, oh, man, yeah, this is a totally fine diversion from The Descendants. But he, the fact right. that it's stretched out over so many albums. Yeah. I actually think when Chad Bryce came around, which is, again, you know, 96 when I was getting into Everything Sucks, is, is a little bit more my speed. He's, I mean, none of their singers r- really had a distinct voice. And I think that's No, what they all them. just had the kind of raspy, like, yeah. uh, I feel like they were all... I feel like anybody after Milo Ackerman was just a bunch of pseudo cool guys trying to emulate Milo Ackerman, but didn't have yeah. that the great sense of humor or yeah. or of just weirdness that Milo Ackerman had. Yeah, like Pummel isn't that great, even for like the um, the mainstream album. But I think Mass Nerder is one of their best ones because it. Uh, but again, like if you don't like the everything sucks sound, you probably won't like it. But I yeah. think Honey Peeps is a pretty. Super catchy song. World's on heroin's catchy. It's another one. If you took the uh, 
if you took the songs off that and turned it into a P, I right. think it would be a pretty fucking great album. But do you think that if you took all of the Al 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 albums, Al albums, um, if you took all of the albums, um, if you took select songs from each album and made one album, that's from what it, I said though, or just a minute ago. Oh, I thought you meant like if you took that like them as EPs. No, separately. I think if you took every good song off every all album, and I think there's maybe two to three per album, right. maybe depending. I think they they actually did that. Um, and there, oh, really? I can't remember what the name of it was called. Sort of like a summer, like yeah, a best of kind of. They a thing? did, and it, and it is a pretty good one. But I think you know, you there could be some debate of whether what uh, what songs to put on which. Yeah, it was, sure. Um, and that's not a debate for me to have. That's a yeah. debate for people who genuinely like. It was band just uh, just called all. Yeah. It's kind of a greatest hits album, and it had one from Milo on it that was never available before. But even that's like twenty two songs, though. I feel like there's. I'm looking at the list right now, and I could pop some off here and <laughs> get some others on so yeah i don't know they're like the yeah this i think this was done maybe before no after mass nerder i don't see any songs in here from mass nerder though so i think that's kind of weird um i guess they put it out with mass nerder to be like before now and now is a new one yeah yeah no i think you could do a sort of a retcon of their their career and make a pretty good greatest hits album from it all of it mm. but yeah yeah, like it's I yeah I'm I'm I've always been troubled by all, just yeah. Because I feel like like I said it's 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 a shame and not a shame because you're like well you know these songs aren't that great usually. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I I don't know. Like it, it's something for me. Like like again, my my love of Descendants and and my time with Descendants was when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, and into skateboarding and stuff like that. Well, into sitting around smoking cigarettes while my friend skateboarded because I can't skateboard. No <laughs> I was just saying, how hard picturing you on a skateboard just made me so delighted. <laughs> I'm sitting in a on a couch right now holding a microphone and it's taking all my concentration <laughs> and coordination. I cannot skateboard to save my life. Although I tried so hard. I dressed like I did. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, uh, so so that's a time and place for me. Like when I hear clean sheets or when I hear uh, uh, sour grapes yeah. or something, I'm like, oh, man, I fucking love this song or whatever. But yeah. It's such a time and place thing for me that I'm like uh, that that this this exists doesn't offend me or anything. Yeah. I just hear it and I'm like, oh, it's just boring. Oh, of even Descendants or this? Oh, no, this. Oh, okay. Like Descendants, I'll always have a soft yeah. spot in my heart. And every once in a while, I'll go back and listen to some Descendants and be like, yeah. oh, man, this is badass. Yeah. Yeah. Like I but said, that they were. But exists doesn't bother me. Yeah. They like this. Like I said, descendants were so definitive for me. Like, <laughs> like I, I would love to do a podcast about that album, Milo Goes College, because it was like the first time I ever realized that like you can be a nerd, and you know, like, cause I, like I used to listen to two things at once, which was the EP that the descendants put out, uh, the Fat EP, and uh, and then Milo Goes to College, but yeah. on, on two sides of a cassette, and I would just listen to that and play Nintendo. I would play Bad News Baseball over and over in my room what's bad news baseball it's an any it's a nintendo game oh okay yeah um and and just like relate to it so hard just like because i liked punk rock but i was a nerd right so when milo came around it was such a formative thing like oh i can be a loser i can be a nerd but like i can also be into this like really fucking badass oh no i don't stuff. know if you've heard the song i'm not a loser yeah. but apparently he wasn't a loser <laughs> uh yeah that that, you know that I mean? is yeah absolutely or like, like you yeah, didn't like have being to a be... loser and taking that phrase and throwing it back at like the jocks or whatever like no i'm not a loser you know like it was really like almost empowering for like a nerd <laughs> yeah no i i totally get it it was accessible yeah. for people like like i, I think 
think I was kind of the same way, like where where um, there was this real aggro movement of uh, uh, of kind of like, well, it wasn't really like an aggro thing, but like you know, like it, I was listening to Black Flag and stuff like that. But uh, but I was like, well, this is too scary. I could never yeah. do this. This is you know, like I'm not scary in this yeah. way. Uh, and then Descendants came out, and I'm like, oh, these guys are like funny and yeah. shit, and you can be like, uh, but but still in a way that Dead Milkmen were. Well, obviously they're you know joking a little bit yeah you know like there's still an authenticity to what dead milkmen do but descendants i was like they're funny but they're still kind of like there's an edge to them yeah but i feel like i could i could attain that yeah so yeah in that way you know i was i was worried about not being scary enough and then they taught <laughs> me that you didn't have to be that scary yeah but you could still be a little totally scary. and yeah like you said all doesn't really take away from the descendants but no. it is sort of like something you have to pick and choose so i guess for me if you're going to try and listen to some all I would point you towards Mass Nerder first, and then maybe the the compilation. But I mean, you don't need to listen to Percolator. You don't need to listen to All Roy Saves. You don't need to listen to Pummel Breaking Things. No. All Roy for Prez. All Roy says like that's so much of a band that only had so much to give. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but it but is. it's hard to say that because there it's it's the same. You know, four or five guys that like wrote brilliant shit in Descendants. It's so and, hard to say. And <laughs> the thing is, though, also. You listen to the uh, you listen to an all album and you hear those tracks like yeah. you hear the the bass and the guitar and the drums you, you hear everything happening and you're like I feel like this could be something I yeah. feel like this is salvageable if there was somebody else at the helm yeah and maybe it's just having been spoiled by Milo maybe you know like, yeah where do you go from there kind yeah. of situation you could have a great vocalist doesn't even matter it doesn't matter if it could have been anyone else yeah. but it, it had to be Milo and and and. Because there was a couple of times listening to All Roy's Revenge, and this is my first time really spending a lot of time with it. Yeah, or me with too. An, with one with a specific All album. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of times where I'm like, ah, see, there's something there because that riff is really fucking cool. Yeah. Or like, I never would have thought of that on guitar, but um, but he did, and and then it's just being wasted. Yeah, it's kind of throwaway song. Totally. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Kind of. Um, cursed to always be the other band kind of situation as, even though they got kind of closer to stardom than descendants ever did in terms of being on a major label for, yeah for yeah a while. which is weird well yeah. i mean this you know all is the uh the jim belushi to uh <laughs> descendants john belushi i like that yeah <laughs> yeah that's apt. um well let's leave it at that all right i like that we got into it because I just, I'm just always waiting for someone to bring out Descendants so I can be like, oh my god, let me tell you all about <laughs> how much I love that uh, album. All right. Um, yeah, so we had a great talk about the hip on the last one, and I like that we got into that there for a little while. Yeah. Um, but for now, we're going to have to gather up all of our clones. Uh, yeah. See, I see a couple over there. Yeah, so we, some in the kitchen. We can't leave any of them. No. Uh, so we got to get them all up back into this box. Yeah. And, how many uh, do we have? How many I, of me were like there? six of you i see four or five of me i feel like there were seven of me yeah well i mean if you don't bring one back it could be disastrous we could have a uh, butterfly effect uh yeah yeah uh, ashton kutcher could make a movie yeah. or something <laughs> yeah. i don't know uh, we've gone back in time and stopped him that's why he hasn't been in any movies lately <laughs> right. but if we don't get you every one of you he could start making movies again yeah okay I think now I feel like there were ten, but I might be <laughs> thinking of that uh, sitcom, just the ten of us. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well let's get everyone that we can back in the box uh, and let's go now. Oh fuck! Uh. I think we fucked up. I see a poster for Guess Who too. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, oh well. Oh, and and I see another poster for Jobs too. Yeah, which I don't even know what they're gonna do with that movie. Uh, wait, does that say Jobs Two Mission to Moscow? <laughs> Fuck. 
Okay, you know what? I see oh, that yeah. movie. I want to go where that. I want to see where that's going. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Any, well, uh, anything to plug, Casey? <laughs> I was just gonna ask you. Um, yeah, I'll be at uh, work tonight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then tomorrow, um, I'll be at work again. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll be at work tomorrow during the day and okay. the day after, yeah. Uh-huh. Actually, no, not the day after because that'll be Saturday. Uh, yeah, so go by Dan's work yeah. and, uh, and see him there. Yeah. Um, but if you want to see me online, you can go to modernsuperior.com. Uh, this goes up on Friday, so you will still have time. We just put up a contest for Woody Allen's Magic in the Moonlight. So if you're listening to this and you live in Canada, go enter that. But otherwise, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Or twitter.com slash timebanditspod. Yeah. And uh, we got a lot of feedback from our last episode. Um, Matt really liked uh, Matt Rickenbacker, I think his name. I I'm always worried about how to say his last name. Yeah. He wrote a bunch of stuff on our Facebook about loving uh, Red Scorpion. And, mm-hmm. and and that was great because I totally agreed with him for, for the most part right. about uh, how awesome that movie is. So, yeah, it was a great movie. Yeah, keep uh, keep commenting on our stuff. Keep it coming, and we'll be back in two more weeks and in another bye week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, until then, that's the score, babe. Babe, we don't have a sign off. That's it. That's the score, babe. Oh, that's the score, babe.